Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. Welcome into another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlon, and I am joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. Jack, how are you on this Tuesday evening? I am fantastic. I didn't think free agency could get as fun as it was after yesterday, and here we are with reports of Earl Thomas going to Cleveland. Yeah, we got Adam Silverstein, Adam Silverstein TV, who is <laughs> very credible, reporting this after the Browns already got Odell Beckham Jr., which is... The Browns are interesting, which I didn't think I was going to say in my life. Browns have a legitimate shot at going to the Super Bowl. I really like that team. I think they've got a good shot at winning that division, and then and then who knows? And even the next like three to five years with Baker Mayfield and all those guys. Yeah, that, that's going to be a, it's going to be a scary team, but a team I'm more interested about. I've seen them make a lot of great signings. I've seen you tweet about it a lot. The Detroit, oh, yeah. uh, sorry, the Detroit Lions have made a couple <laughs> really interesting moves. Uh, can you talk about it a little bit for our listeners? Yes, yes. I'm a big Lions fan, and I am very excited about the moves they have made. So they've added Trey Flowers, Patriots defensive end, which is the big one. That's a huge one. And we added, we added. Was it Justin Coleman? He was the Seahawks I don't, corner I, for a I bit. I don't want to talk about. It. He's a he's a good uh, player. He's such a good slot guy. And we lost him. So I'm excited about that one. Then we also signed, most importantly, Danny Amendola. One-year deal. That's the most (laughs) Patriots signing ever. Former Patriots. Then we got Jesse James, tight end out of Pittsburgh, who's young, solid tight end. So, I mean, it's it's some good signings, but there's so much out there about how, like, the teams that do the best in free agency don't go on to actually win the most games. So we'll see if it turns into wins or if they just have bigger names, which – I'll take it over. If you're going to lose, you might as well have some big games. <laughs> I mean, you guys have well, Stafford still to throw the ball to Amendola. Yeah. on Johnson was great last year at the running back spot. We got good young receivers and then Amendola. Offensive line's not awful. Defense looks a little bit better. D-line's pretty good. So we'll see how it all plays out. These are some high hopes. From, I, this is from really high hopes considering what just happened. I'm expecting a Browns-Lions Super Bowl. Bold. Okay. Bold. And, yeah, they're going to ever the storyline. So, oh, they're both 0 16. It's going to get old. It's going to be annoying. But you know what? I'll deal with it. <laughs> and I'll watch my team win the Super Bowl. So uh, that's the plan. Huh. Yeah, the Seahawks have done nothing in free agency except to lose <laughs> everyone. And now there's talk that they might be trading. 
Seahawks Twitter is saying trade Bobby Wagner. Really? And it's really oh, annoying. They're also saying trade Russell Wilson. I hate Yes. I hate yes. Give him to the Lions. Let's do Stafford for Wilson straight I up. was talking to my roommate earlier. I don't get why the NFL, you don't see more player for player, like straight up trades. That'd be more fun. Like, That'd be sweet too. It's like, it, I get yeah. why you don't trade Russell Wilson for Matt Stafford. Like that's not a good player for player trade, but like, what if you right. need, say you have a good offensive lineman backup and you need a receiver trade like Dwayne Brown for OBJ. Like, I feel like that's a, maybe not Dwayne Brown. He's at the end of his career, but like more player for player yeah. trades like that. Yeah. I wonder what the, the monetary aspect is. I don't know if it matters oh, in that... terms of how much they each make, but I wonder too, cause like, could the other team, if there is a difference, could they be like, you know what? We'll eat the, whatever yeah, the difference is, or I don't know how it works, but that would, I don't know. It seems like it would make sense, but I guess I'm basing this off of like my Madden career. So. <laughs> yeah, Madden, Madden <laughs> Everything makes sense in my Madden trade. career. My favorite Madden trade would just be trading my first round picks for the next three years for one guy and then winning the next 15 Super Bowls. Exactly. There was something funny the other day where Antonio Brown getting traded to the Raiders, somebody tried to do the exact trade on Madden, and Madden was like, yeah, Pittsburgh's not taking that. <laughs> I love <laughs> seeing like, oh. people go to Madden and, or like NBA during NBA trade deadline time, and they'll like yeah, make yeah. the trade in the video game. And it's always like, <laughs> yeah, no, that's not, that's not flying. But It crashed me up that the first like the first thought someone has after seeing that Antonio Brown is going to be a Raider is like, Oh my god! I gotta do this on math, <laughs> like just for a tweet. But <laughs> I enjoy the content. I just think it's funny that that's how people are. I wide. think it was either the Raiders or the NFL. Like their social media tweeted a video of Madden of Derek Carr passing to Antonio Brown. It's like <laughs> get ready for this on Sundays, and I was like, what? Like that wasn't you guys <laughs> yeah. tweeted that because you like to be animated. Uh, uh, I was like, okay, but. Oh, All of that free agency uh, trade talk yes. leads us perfectly. What else? <laughs> There's no segue for this into no. I don't know how you would do into this. CAA um, mascot talk. We've teased it now the yes. last two. Um, what are these called? Podcasts, and here we are giving some of our feedback, our favorite mascots, our least favorite mascots, and now because of this piece. I know a lot about CA mascots for no reason. Yeah, I'm excited. I had a chance to read this today. It's going out soon. Your piece on CA mascots, very detailed. I did not know there was a couple mascot that took me. Yeah, surprise. in the article you'll see. So I'm I'm not a big fan of listicles. So I tried to make a fun listicle because in the end, like I couldn't write a real article about this. Like that's <laughs> not how it rolls. So it's a listicle. But it's in the form of superlatives. So I think I put like five real superlatives, yeah. quote unquote, honorable mention ones. So just a quick teaser. The article should be up when you guys are listening to this. So go to www.jmusportsnews.com. You can read the piece. Lots of pictures, lots of past things. I found the archives of UNCW and one other school. Those were good where you could go back and see their first mascot in the 60s to every, like, reiterate – or not reiteration, but, like, every iteration of it from then. It's crazy stuff to see. But, um, yeah, the Hofstra Pride have a lion and lioness named after the founders of the school, Kate and William, but they go by Kate and Willie. 
it's pretty amazing. There's a lot of CAA mascot information out there. Here I was thinking that the Richmond Spider was was all there was, and I was very the wrong. Richmond Spiders. Who? What was his name? I think you you commented on it. His name was like Puss. Oh my god! <laughs> it was like Puss Ellison or something. It was like really so bad. Like, when I saw the Richmond Spiders, I've always assumed I was crying. I've always assumed the spiders are like a new mascot they've brought into the fold, like. Trying right. to get away from their own. Nope, it's been the spiders since 1894. That's like, weird. And they're the only spider in the country. The only collegiate mascot as a spider in the country. That's interesting. It seems like one that could be very easily copied. I, I feel like it is. In the piece, one of my lines, because their they're, uh, superlative is most questionable. Because you look at the Richmond yeah. mascot and you kind of say why does it only have six arms a spider's supposed to have eight and then you're like why does it have a side smile that looks like it's making fun of me to his friends at the lunch table and i just put <laughs> richmond's the only school in the country with the nickname spiders so that may be why they have a questionable na- mascot they have nothing to base it off of they're the only ones doing it right Right, they don't have any images, and I guess I don't know if Richmond doesn't have spiders, so they're just guessing on the number of legs. <laughs> I don't I get going, that. But <laughs> a simple Google search, at least make it correct. Yeah, I understand you need to have two arms for the kid to like walk, but I'm pretty sure they only have two fake legs on each side, so six altogether, which is just blasphemous. Really, is just very embarrassing overall. <laughs> But I want to hear, I want to know your favorite CAA mascot, because I feel like everyone has their favorite outside of Duke Dog. And if anyone's listening who feels so inclined to tweet to us your favorite, go ahead and do that, too. <laughs> I'm basically indifferent towards most wow. of them. Wow. Um, who did you, you liked the UNCW, Oh, UNCW, one, right? mainly because of their color scheme. UNCW, right, They're, right, right. Yeah, that did have a, a good color. I like the name for Oh, that. the, what was it, Sammy Seahawk? <laughs> yeah, like C, like the middle initial. I thought that was – they were pulling out the stops for a bunch of people that, you know, weren't able to get into UNC. <laughs> they are really creative with that, so I thought that was really impressive. Yeah, that that was funny. Dra- the Drexel Dragons, I think they were the – my favorite line was on their website. There's no special reason for its <laughs> selection other than its obvious alliterative appeal. Like they're like – I like that – that was like a, a down-to-earth explanation. The Elon explanation was insane. Elon. Oh, my God. This is why they didn't – they would be the best fictitious mascot in the CAA. Yeah. Except for the fact that, one, they're a little pretentious about their freaking mascot. Please <laughs> refer to the phoenix in the singular since there can only be one phoenix in existence at a time. No, what? What? No, I've never <laughs> – Elon is it. Phoenix is they. It's, it's AP style. Um <laughs> That was in that was that was in like a football yeah, thing, it's in right? All of their game notes for every single. I was in sport. all of it. Oh man, they must have whoever's running that that stuff must have some sort of like real belief in in the phoenix or something. I don't. know. <laughs> it was weird. But, it was like way too descriptive. And they're like, so they they renamed from the Fighting Christians in two thousand when they went D one, and they're like, okay, what can we do? What can we do? Oh, let's do this thing that happened. 77 years ago where our campus burned down and we're here now so like we rose from the ashes like the <laughs> phoenix so uh let's do the phoenix and everyone was like yeah and what should we make our uh costume look like 
Uh, we should make it look like a rooster. Yeah, uh-huh. Ready, break. <laughs> good, good teamwork, guys. Just it's so strange when you get into, like, the history, and then you look back, and you've got to think that somebody in that conversation, in that meeting, was like, wait, what the hell? But they just <laughs> still went with like, it, it anyway. It could be such a good one. Also, the fact that, like, there's not only one Phoenix in existence. There's multiple different schools with Phoenix as their mascot. Yeah, which, right, right. It's not like it, the spiders. Negates it. Exactly. The spiders, they're original. Just really disappointing. But very informative. I knew absolutely nothing about CA mascots, and I thought it was a very hilarious <laughs> <laughs> history lesson. Yeah, I, I did a lot of Google searches. I was going to do, I think, five more schools, but I got to the point I was at, and I was like, I'm at a lot of words, and – these next schools technically are in the CAA football, not CAA. So I'm going to leave mm-hmm. them out. I like that. Even like though the Seawolves snuck in. That was a good, you got to see Seawolves. I didn't even know they were a mythical creature. I was doing this and I was like, Oh, there's only two like mythical beings as mascots in the CAA. Little did I know that the college of William and Mary aren't Eagles. They're the Griffins. It's a like, weird one, yeah. I always thought they were just a bunch of eagles. And then apparently they're a griffin. You are right. You're right. That was That's 100% a PR yeah. move and, and a good one. The best PR move in the CAA. Like, so, got to head back. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good, good job to them. <laughs> well you know done. who didn't have a good PR move of a season? Jamie oh, my basketball. gosh. I also snuck in a little dig at men's basketball in my story. So – find that yes, one. yes. Oh, that's a fun one but man what a disappointing yeah. season i don't care if they lost in the ca quarterfinals is rose job safe is the real question i think he'll get another year but i also think and i want to guess i feel like he's on the hot seat enough and i feel like some people feel like that we've put them there in terms of us just talking about it a lot and like other people, his head. not really exactly but I feel like Bourne might issue a statement at some point. Really? Either way. Even just I, – I would at least. Just to sort of like affirm – if he does bring him back, just sort of confirm that he's keeping him and like looking to the future. I think that would be a good vote of confidence for his coach. So I, I would like to see Bourne do that if he does keep him. I think that would be a good idea and just sort of address the fact that, you know, they've won 34 games in three seasons, but they're trying to get there. I, I agree with you. I think Rose's job is safe. But, man, it was a season full of, again, missed opportunities. Like, I, I feel like because of the Hofstra win and then winning against Towson in the fashion they did, which they should yep. not have beaten Towson in that fashion. They should have beaten them handily if they're as good of a team as we say they are. Right. Um, but I think because of that, there was a little bit of hope in the season, and it was – a close game against Hofstra it kind of got a little bit out of hand at the end, but close with them, in, but like three minutes left, I want to say. So I think overall Roe is safe, but I, I feel like he's on a very, very short leash. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And to me, the thing that's crazy is that people are sort of spinning in this like, wow, there's so much hope and optimism for next season. I think that there is to a certain extent. I think that you have to be optimistic against Towson. 69 of the 73 points or whatever, or 74, I think it was 74, whatever they scored, came from freshman or sophomore. Yeah, so there's obviously that good game. Yeah, mm-hmm. right, right. There's obviously that sort of youth and, and inexperience, so to speak. Um, so, I mean, that's exciting sort of seeing them develop. But in the same light, like what happens, 
hypothetically, if Matt Lewis doesn't hit that three and they lose to Towson by two in the first round, the whole dynamic changes. Yeah. So to me, to go from saying like, I think people would have been way more, way like more hard on Roe, I guess, sort of in the media and, and on social media if they lost to Towson, but instead they hit a buzzer beater three where they didn't run the play correctly, oh my according to all of them. And then they're just like, wow, the optimism for this team. It's like, well, kind of, but also kind of, you know, they needed buzzer beaters to beat this team. They had a buzzer beater to beat ECU. I think Matt Lewis hit a runner in the lane against Coppin State to send yep. that to overtime, and Coppin State's one of the worst teams in the country. So, I mean, I get that they were close losses too, but it's, I feel like sometimes people ignore both sides, where I do think there's a plenty of optimism, and I think that it makes sense that Gibro a fourth year. But I also think expectations need to be raised dramatically. I think they should be looking for 20-plus wins next season. Yeah, like they're going from underclassmen and sophomores. This whole roster practically is the same age. You're losing Stucky. Right. But you could argue not the biggest loss the way he kind of played near the end of the season. Great overall player and made a huge impact on JMU basketball. But the last – I'd say the last – quarter of the season didn't seem to be himself we'll get into maybe why he wasn't himself and in the CA tournament definitely was not himself but so everyone's then making the jump from sophomore to junior and we did expect a lot of growth from a freshman to sophomore but I think now that they've I feel like I'm saying the exact same things I said at the beginning of the season talking about their growth from freshman to sophomore but you have to think that another year in Rose system another off season with Rowe and the coaching staff Something will click, but I don't. I don't know if it's a question of the roster or the coaching staff. That's my thing. Is that I think that you know, the, for me at least, going into next season, I don't think the roster has to prove anything. I think the coaches do. So I think that for them to win more games, it's going to come down to coaching and being able to win those close games. I mean, the roster they play hard all the time. They're really good, and I think the thing that is maybe underrated a little bit that I think is going to be really important is that Greg Jones and Zach Jacobs aren't going to maybe key bench players with some of the freshmen coming in. So I think having more depth, especially at the guard position, he's not going to have to play Matt Lewis 40 minutes and Deshaun Parker, like 40 minutes a game. So I think that having that and maybe being able to use Greg Jones and Zach Jacobs more sparingly and more strategically is going to really help them next season, but he's got to find a way to do it. Right. I mean, you have to actually do it instead of just talking about potential. And we've talked about the potential of this team for two seasons now. And they're, you know, they've won 24 games the last two years. Yeah, I, that's the key. There, I I think also a huge reason he gets this fourth year is to secure everyone coming in that they won't leave and, and to kind of secure this roster for at least another year. However, I don't think if yeah. Ro leaves, that many guys are going to transfer out. But talking to my friends, they kind of they kind of see the opposite where they think half of this roster is going to leave with Roe, and I just don't see that. But I think that is a fear and a genuine fear. So I think kind of keeping him another year's keeping that roster together a year and keeping the recruits committed. Yeah, I think the more I look at it, the more it, it makes sense just to bring him in a fourth year. Because even if it doesn't work out next year, I, I think that those guys are probably going to stay for their senior season, sort of that core group. I'd sort of expect the younger guys to do that as well. But what I will say is if they did move on, I do think that the players that are currently there would at least wait for the coach to see who it is, meet him, and see if it could be something that works out before transferring because it's March, right? I mean, it's not 
you know, if they do move on, they're going to have time to get a new guy and you don't have to necessarily transfer immediately because you'll have the whole off season and all that stuff. So I think there's still that potential. And the, the other thing I'll add is that Matt Brady's final game when he was with JMU was March 5th and they didn't let him go until March 16th. So it was 11 days until they ended up moving on from Brady. So um, I think that for the next week or two, it's at least worth keeping an eye on, but I would, I would anticipate Roe coming back. Yeah. And we kind of alluded to this earlier, Ducky Mosley, Rowe announced after the Hofstra game that he was playing with a shoulder injury, I believe it was. I just want to know your take on that. I I personally don't like when coaches and players say this after the fact. I'd rather you announce it beforehand, kind of like they did with Darius Banks. I think it's kind mm-hmm. of a cop-out. Now, I'm not saying anything less of Stucky, anything like that. But right. I feel like that's something as a coach you should say beforehand because now it kind of feels like, oh, the reason he didn't do that well in these games, uh, he's been suffering a shoulder injury. Well, Darius seemed to have like a broken thumb. He can only dribble with one hand, and he still put up a good amount in points. Right, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's tough because, yeah, I do kind of agree with you that there's an element of like, what's the point in saying that? Maybe they're trying to defend Stucky if somebody asks about why Stucky was bad. He's trying to just, you know, it's not because of Stucky. Yeah. It's because of an injury or something like that. So I get that, but it, especially with like football or something, is is where it really gets frustrating. I know some football coaches are like, oh, we're banged up this time. You know, like, well, everybody is. I think with yeah. basketball, there's an element of that too. Like through the whole season, people are going to be worn down and torn a bit, maybe not shoulder injuries, but I don't know. I mean, I think that, like, I don't think Jamie lost to Hofstra because Stucky Mosley had a shoulder injury. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I just think that Hofstra is a significantly better team and they ended up losing tonight. So Northeastern's going to get the automatic berth in the NCAA tournament. But Hofstra... Number one seed, they'll play in the NIT, really good team. Um, they're significantly better than Jamie. Yeah, Justin Wright Foreman is one of the best. Exactly. I would say one of the best players in NCAA basketball, and it's going to be hard to beat any team with that. Yeah, I mean, he scores at such a prolific level that yeah. it's it's tough. And they, I mean, they were pretty competitive in that game, and they obviously beat yeah. Hofstra once this season. I just think, you know, when the game comes down to the wire, I think that Hofstra is sort of, more experienced and, and probably more confident in those late yeah, moments. Without a doubt. Speaking of teams that are confident in the late moments, moving from men's to women's, unless you have anything else to add on men's. No, no. Moving to women's basketball, we'll get to CAA awards and snubs later on talking yes. about women's basketball. But women's basketball, number one seed, what do you expect out of this? Yeah, so it's interesting because they're – what are they, 17-1 in conference coming in? Yeah, the one loss to UNCW. They look really good this season. The RPI is 25th nationally, which is crazy. So, I mean, they're they're clearly the favorite to me. Obviously, Kamaya got – I think it was her hand got a little bit banged up in the last game, but she's expected to play. Madison Green hurt her knee a little bit. She's also expected to play. So, I think they'll be at full strength. Uh, the Thursday game is going to be against the winner of Elon Hofstra. That's going to be super easy. And then they'll get a Towson-Delaware winner, which will be a little bit tougher, and then potentially Drexel in the final. So the last two games will definitely be challenges, but I expect JMU to win, and we'll get to snubs in a minute. But I think that Kamaya Smalls, from what I've seen on Twitter from her tonight and a few other things, I think she's going to be rather pissed going into I this think Kamaya Smalls is going to – I was t- talking to some people. I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if she averaged 25, 10, and 10. Now, I was joking when I said that, but only a little bit because <laughs> – then I looked at what she was putting on Twitter, and she's not happy. Like you said, we'll get to it in a little bit. 
I think she's going to absolutely have a tournament to remember. And I think JMU, that first game is going to destroy Elon or Hofstra. And then I think they're just going to kind of roll their way into the championship and win the championship. No one to me really posed a huge threat to this team throughout the season. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you had UNCW put up that one sort of interesting performance and but that's Towson all occasionally, right. Towson was occasionally tough. Drexel, I don't think they say within 10 of JMU this year and they're, I just don't think they're as athletic as JMU. Yeah. And I think it's, it's kind of hard to, to scheme them just because Sean O'Regan's a really solid coach and you're, you're probably not going to out scheme him unless you're maybe one of the, you know, 10 or 15 best coaches in the country. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to, yeah, so, I mean, that was, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, you got it. You got it. I was just going to say also that, that your, your favorite player, Jackie Benitez is also coming on super strong. Woo! See player of the week last week. If they have her going, I mean, it, they could legitimately, if she's playing at a high level, beat every team in this tournament that they play by 10 points or more. If she's on and Kamaya's on and Lexi's on and Kayla Cooper-Williams and Devin Merritt are having their way down low, right. this team is unbeatable. And I would say if all of that's happening to in the NCAA tournament, I think they could win a tournament game. Agreed, yeah. I mean, if they shoot the ball well enough, they, who'd they play? Was it Delaware in the final game? They scored three second quarter yes. points and they still won? Yes. When, without Kamaya. Without, I think that's the biggest thing. So Delaware is one of the quote-unquote top teams. I think they fell to fourth right. or fifth seed. But they were yeah. playing yeah. for something that game. If they win that game, they have a shot at the two seed. And right. JMU was playing for nothing. They had locked up the one spot. They were playing for nothing. And you're playing without your star player. And Jackie Benitez goes off. And they win the game. And that just – like. To me, that's a exact showing of why JMU is head and shoulders above the rest of the CAA this season, and that's a big reason I think they kind of just walk their way through this tournament. Yeah, I think they're so deep, and that's something that Sean O'Regan has done a good job of doing is developing those younger players and some of those bench players that I think, like Madison Green hadn't had a big game in, in maybe a month or so, and she went out and scored like 11 points in 13 minutes or something crazy where she just stepped up when they needed her to, and she's a freshman. So I think they're ready to go. I think they're going to be really motivated because of some of these snubs. Wow. And I think they're going to going to make the NCAA tournament. That'll give them three wins. They'll be 28-4 and four going into the NCAA tournament if that happens. I, I mean, I got to think that they're a really good team, and they have a strong case to make an upset in the NCAA tournament if they get there. Looking at Kamai's Twitter, I'm just scrolling through right now. Yeah. Woo, man. I think I might stick by my 25, 10, and 10. Uh, for <laughs> Triple double. Wow. She's not happy. Yeah, she's. No, and I've. She's doing it in a very polite way. She's not like going off or anything, but she's. You can tell it's it's sort of ticked her off. Her pin tweet talks, talks about like her, her drive, and she's like, no, I'm not mad. I'm a competitor. That's more than ready to compete. <laughs> like, uh oh. So I think she's going to go off. Because. TJ Eck and Shane Metlin have been tweeting about it and mm-hmm. she's retweeting it like TJ Eck tweeted. Yeah. Um, where's the tweet? I just saw it, man. Did I lose it already? Just about like, Oh, here it is. Kamaya isn't the CAA women's basketball player of the year. I'm a bit shocked. I don't know how there's a better player in the league than her. And she retweeted it. Exactly. Yeah. No, everybody seems surprised. And then, 
Harry Holtzclaw's mom, who does a lot of really great stuff, Vicki Friedman. She does stuff for ESPNW, and she runs Lady Swish, yep. which talks about uh, women's basketball in the state of Virginia mostly. She was really surprised, too, and she was tweeting about how, like, no offense to Bailey Greenberg of Drexel, who won the CAA Player of the Year, but, I mean, it's, it's kind of been, like, a well-known thing that Kamaya is the best player in the conference. And, yeah, Bailey Greenberg was the highest scoring. Right. And, like, if that's all the CAA is looking at, I think the award's broken. Like, this may be yeah, a quote-unquote I mean, hot take, but, like, the best player isn't the one that's going to put up – I don't know what Bailey Greenberg averaged. Let's say 18 points a game. Like, yeah, Kamaya may have averaged less than that, but look at her rebounds and assists and her plus-minus when on the court. Like, when you're looking at the MVP of your, of your league, you have to look at more than just points per game. Yeah, I mean, Bailey Greenberg's a really good player, but you look at Kamaya's overall stat line where she's getting – you know, over 16 a game, five rebounds, 2.7 assists. She's shooting just under 50% from the field. I know Greenberg's close to that, but I'm looking it up now. I think it says that she ranks, yeah, from this Jamie Wins basketball treat, tweet, Kamaya Smalls ranks in the top 18 of the CAA, which is a weird selection, but top 18 of the CAA in eight different categories. So I think when you're looking past just the scoring, and I also think that an element of it, like if it's close between Kamaya Smalls and Bailey Greenberg, wouldn't you go yes. with a player who led her team to a 17-1 conference record? Like that's what was confusing to me. Is It's not like, you know, Kamaya was maybe the better all-around player, but Drexel won the league. Like Jamie won the league and swept Drexel. Yeah, like Kamaya was by far the best player on the best team in the league, having comparable numbers to Bailey Greenberg. Like right. I feel like that right there just goes, oh, then Kamaya's going to win. I think that's why there's so much confusion over Greenberg winning it over Kamaya. Looking at Greenberg's stats, this season she averaged, she shot 47.8% from the field and averaged 17.9, so just a hair under 18 points a game, shooting 75% from the free throw line and shooting 34% from three. So that sounds very similar to Kamaya's line. Right. I mean, it's, it's very, very similar. I think Kamaya is probably a little bit of a better defender and just, I don't know. I mean, I was a little bit surprised by it, but I also, I mean, I, I do understand at least some of the rationale where Bailey Greenberg's a really good player. And I think there was a little bit of the element creeping in, at least in my opinion of, I think Jackie Benitez won like sixth player of the year and Kayla Cooper Williams was the defensive yeah. player of the year. And I think there was an element of like, well, we don't want to give Jamie all the awards. So they gave you know the player of the year to Bailey Greenberg, who was right up there with Kamaya. And then I think they gave Towson's head coach the coach of the year award, which Sean O'Regan had a very good case for as well. Um, yeah, that's another, that's another snub you could argue. Like Towson had a good season, but I, I think – I forgot who tweeted it or who said it, but JMU had a perfect record against all of these teams, except for UNCW. That was a flip of the game. But, like, they were 17-1 right. and one in conference. Like, how does that not get you – coach of the year like yeah what? i mean it just seemed confusing to me because it especially kamaya because i had i had sort of expected her to win that originally and then i saw bailey greenberg and i was like well that makes sense that that greenberg ended up getting it but it's still kind of really surprising given what kamaya had done this year and i think that part of it too is she didn't score as many points in the last like three or four games because for most of the season she was 
up at 18 points or above, like points per game average. And yeah. then she obviously got hurt and didn't score a lot and then didn't score a lot in the game before that. And some of it wasn't really her fault. It was just sort of lack of shooting because her teammates were going and she was just going with the flow. And I don't know. I feel like she was maybe unfairly punished statistically for, you know, three games at the end of the season. And Coach O'Regan said something about that after the uh, the Drexel game where she only had eight, which snapped yeah. a really long streak she had going of double-digit scoring. But Coach O was like, I was on the sideline telling her to put up the shot, get the 10th point, get to double digits. Like, that's what you – you have a streak going, come on. And right. at the time she was like, no, everyone else is going. I'll let them have it. Like, they'll give us a better chance at winning. Like, I'm going to dish it off. And she finished that game with six assists. Uh, but I think that just speaks to it. And Coach O at the time was kind of like, I hope that doesn't hurt her CAA Player of the Year bid. Right. I and I think did. that – yeah, probably did. And I think for me at least, you. I mean, it's kind of hard. I mean, you have to sort of determine how you're going to select it, whether it's statistically or whatever. But for me, it's sort of if I'm building a CAA women's basketball team, and I have the first pick of every single player in the league. Yeah. I'm taking Kamaya. Like, and I'm not really gonna think twice about that. Oh no, without a doubt. I mean, shoot scoring sixteen point six a game, averaging five point three rebounds a game, assists per game. Where's assists? Looking at box scores is hard sometimes. Uh seven it like just yeah. Seventy eight assists on the season. I don't feel like doing math to break that down, but like it's like just under three a game, I think. Solid number, good number. and like I, yeah. that's what I want, and a good shooter. I think that's the, and a yeah. player is how I would put it. I think that's what's so impressive is that she's ridiculously efficient. She does a lot of things well. Great defender. You can argue she's one of the better defenders in the league and one of the better offensive player. I mean, all around, I think that she's the best player in the league. So it'll be interesting to see, sort of what happens and how she uses this to motivate her. But I think she's going to be be really fantastic during this tournament yeah I'm, I'm really really excited for it like i think she's going to turn it up to a notch we haven't seen before and we yeah. are jmu sports news but i think this isn't really it may be slightly biased in the way we're treating these snubs but at the same time jmu is one of the best women's basketball programs in the caa and kamaya was the best player on it so i think it's, it's right exactly important. yeah yeah, and it's not, I mean, it's not we're not going to go on some rampage, yeah. you know, talking. Like, <laughs> but, take down but, the yeah, CAA, I mean, <laughs> right. but... but no, you're right. I think that there's an element where, you know, we probably haven't seen Bailey Greenberg play the same amount yeah. that, that Kamaya has. So there's certainly a little bit of kind of tough to compare there. But yeah, I think Kamaya was certainly deserving. But yeah, we'll see how it all goes in the tournament. Really exciting. And now let's let's swing over to Veterans Memorial Park for some uh, softball and baseball action. Softball's finally coming home. They'll play at home this weekend. Jeez Louise. I I understand why they do it. Don't get me wrong, but oh my Lord. Yeah. They're away for so long. How many games have they played all the way? They, yeah, they played 16, and I think th- like three were canceled, so it was supposed to be like 19 or something like that. That's long time. Lots of it. Very long time. 11-5 and five overall. Megan Good, 5-4. and four. four losses. Are you concerned? So... I saw that number, and I was like, let me look at how she's doing. So, yeah, she has four losses, but let me just name those teams off that she has losses to. Kentucky, Minnesota, Arizona, Arizona State. So, like, and wins over Oregon, Tennessee, ECU, and Drake. I don't think they're softball powerhouses. And Michigan and New Mexico State. Right. So, like, 
No, I'm going to say no, I'm not worried because those I, most of her losses are kind of like at weird spots during her during these invitationals, like the second day she pitches or like a second game she pitches. What I'm looking at is that she has a 2.25 ERA and she's only allowed 17 earned runs. Yeah, I mean, she's been been really good and just sort of unfortunate to get some of the losses and the Arizona one and the Arizona state one were both sort of like out of control, late walk off home yeah. runs that sort of weren't expected. So she could easily be seven and two with all these wins over ranked teams. So definitely not worth worrying about too much. And I think uh, Lauren Laporte said something really interesting in the O'Neill's press conference today. She talked about how Megan Good's fantastic against the best teams in the com- country through the first, like two times through the order. Yeah. And then on the third, third time, which makes sense for, you know, a lot of baseball and softball. Yeah the hitters sort of get a feel for it and been able to do a little bit better. So she's going to have to adjust on that moving forward. So do keep an eye on that. Everyone listening um, as the postseason comes by, I think against CAA teams, not to slight the CAA, but I think she'll be okay. Even in the third time through the lineup, I don't think that's a concern, but when she's going up against top 10 teams, I think it'll be something to look for. Yeah. And I mean, the Arizona game, she got the loss for that one. She only pitched 3.2 innings of that. Right. And she came on kind of near the end to kind of stop the bleeding. If I remember right. that game correctly, and that's when they staged their comeback, and then things got weird in that one. And another loss yeah. was a 4.2 inning outing. So that was, again, coming on near the end of the game. If I, if I think, if I'm remembering these games correctly, she never started those. She came on and unfortunately was then put on with the L. So, yeah, nothing to worry about. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, now she has a couple of years of tape on her that people can go back and look at and third time through the order is normally when an ace becomes an ace like that's why you're the best pitcher on a staff you can get through that third time through the order and with the CAA I think she'll be fine I think they might not even get to the third time of the order I know they will because of math but it may not even seem like that with how this team will play against CAA opponents no yeah because if I mean if she gets you know what is it 18 people and you get most of them out. That's six innings. You get a lot of mercy roll games. It might barely get to the third time. That's yeah. In some CA games. So, depending on how how electric she is. But the one thing I wanted to ask you is, and we might sort of have to take football out of this, but is the atmosphere at a JMU softball home game? Where does that rank among JMU sports? I haven't been. I'm going to be completely transparent here. I've been to a few. I haven't been yes. to a lot, and the ones I've been to were cold and rainy. Oh, no. So, like, I don't think I got a full experience of it. Yeah. You said negating football, but if I gave a top three, like, I know how electric they can be. So, I'll yeah. put them at three behind. I'm going to kind of lump together men's and women's basketball. That's because fair. to me, there's nothing like the convo when either team is playing well in a close game. Like, that, yep, that is electric. a 2,000 person crowd, which, if anyone who isn't a JMU fan listening to this and is like, 2,000 fans for basketball? What is this school? Give us a break. Um, <laughs> uh, there's just nothing like it when it's a close game and JMU goes on a run or Stucky Mosley buries the three against Elon and you can't even hear through your headset what Kurt Dudley said right next to you and you're just winging it or Precious Hall drills a three <laughs> from the logo to tie a game. Like, there's nothing like it. But saying that, I think when Megan Good's cooking at Veterans Memorial Park, I, I 
I would be hard pressed to find another sport that's better than that outside of football. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely underrated. That's something that I really enjoyed. Those games are they're, they're fun to go to. If someone hasn't gone, they should definitely yeah. get out there. And they're quick. I'll too, be there Saturday. The games are, Friday. Friday, Saturday, I'll be there. Nice. They're so quick and and fast, just because a lot of times they're mercy rolling people, and they're just you know seven in the game, so they go by quickly. But the atmosphere they had there for the Super Regional against LSU, I was able to cover that in May, was unbelievable. They had people you know, up on the hill cool. watching from without buying tickets. So they're, they're out there <laughs> sort of watching and it was absolutely insane. So if they get a regional or a, or a super regional, I don't know if they're going to be in the running for a super regional with how many losses they already have, but if they go on a big run to end the season, get a regional, something like that, I would definitely encourage everyone to watch some postseason softball there because it gets very intense. Yeah. I remember I, w- I worked the uh, CAA championship two years ago. Those get and it was intense, but that was when it was cold and rainy and not many oh, people yeah. came. And it was kind of a foregone conclusion that if making good's pitching, Jamie's going <laughs> right. to win. So it was kind of dull. But, yeah, some of those games are very intense. Yeah, and it's it's definitely better. I think the Super Regional was like – it got to towards the end of May. So it was, you know, it was 75, 80 degrees and sunny. So it was yeah. perfect and everybody came out. So the weather definitely definitely plays a role. That's the one area with the convo. You can't go wrong indoors. You know what you're going to get. Yeah, very true. Speaking of bad lighting, team and... that doesn't have the best um, home field advantage, you could say, <laughs> is right across the sidewalk in Jamie yes. Baseball. Yes, they're playing well at home, but you're right. They don't they don't draw major crowds. But they're eleven and five on the year now. They had a walk off win over Ooh. Lehigh today. Very exciting. Ten innings too. So it took some extra yeah. time. I think it's yeah, first extra inning game of it the was. year for the Dukes. They're eleven and two at home. Three road losses all to Louisville, so nothing really to be too ashamed of there. I mean, they look solid, but the schedule hasn't been all that hard. But I mean they're making a, a good start on their push toward, you know, a thirty win season. I think they should be, this is my personal opinion, should be undefeated at home. I mean, the loss to Lafayette and yeah. the high point were kind of like, it seemed like just a bad pitching outing. And this team is so dependent on the pitching staff having a good game that today's game, I thought they were going to drop because the pitching staff kind of struggled a little bit. However, right. yeah, this I forgot what you said about it, what, what the question was or the lead into this. They're a good team. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and then they've got Lehigh again tomorrow. And then Cal State Fullerton's a pretty solid program. They got them on the road this weekend. So we'll see what happens there. But CAA play is only, what, 10 days away now or something like that. It's crazy. March 22nd, the series against Delaware at home. This is a very uh, front-loaded schedule, it seems like, when it comes to um, their schedule. It's front-loaded home schedule because lots of home here. And a lot of a ways to finish the season out. A lot of um, CAA away. Yeah, the the end of the season. I think it's seven of the last eight games are on the road, and the one at home game is going to be Maryland. So I'm assuming that's not going to be easy. But then, luckily, they come back. Assuming, assuming they qualify for the CAA championship. This team, if they don't qualify for the CAA championship, it's going to be bad. They should be. Elon has a lot of pro prospects, and UNCW has a lot of pro prospects as well. 
So if, I think they're running in the three to four range in the CAA right now. If their pitching yeah. can, can maintain. So if they don't make the CAA tournament at JMU, that is going to be kind of a, a disappointment of a season. Definitely. I think that's something they should be aiming for. And it would be good to see them playing some postseason softball there. And I think, is it softball? It's like the number one seed host, right? So you could have postseason softball and baseball at Veterans Memorial I Park. think it's the previous season. Is it the previous? Do they, maybe I'm just used to them winning every season. So like volleyball's the same way, I think, because the, they need to be able to prepare for it. So like. That makes sense. Uh, so Jamie won the regular, I, I think it's the regular season. Champion, then host. The, it says it's in, it says they'll be in at Veterans Memorial Park, but it's two weeks before baseball. So they must have given Regular season? Did they win? They the... didn't win the, the the tournament last season. Hofstra did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Then they so got then the regular season. They go with regular, I guess. Yeah, that makes so, sense. Yeah. Nice. So that's how they do it for softball, volleyball. Fun gotcha. Fact. The more you learn, every day. I got you. That's why everyone's tuning into the podcast right now. <laughs> yes. For me to be taught scheduling <laughs> lessons. That's cool, though. You will have both teams at home. It'd be cool if they're overlapped in date but anyway yeah you're getting too into it now we won't get into logistics i had my freak out last week with how the oh basketball my. tournament I, works. I, so I, I figured out why it was like that actually thank you for picking that up oh really so it's the home team quote-unquote like hosting team so since it's in oh, charleston yeah. technically college uh-huh. it's a neutral site but college of charleston is technically quote-unquote the host type of thing blah 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 right they get to choose when they want to play so, like, based oh. off of that, it kind of flips the schedule. <laughs> and so, since Charleston was a three seed, right? They played the, uh, either, they, yeah. they played the four seed. And because of what part of the bracket there, and it flips the other part. So, because they picked so where they wanted to play, it flipped Hofstra to playing at noon. Huh. That's interesting. If I, if I understood what I was told correctly. Yeah. <laughs> That's weird as hell. Yes, yes, it is. And I was like, that makes wow. no sense because the one seed should be rewarded for being the one seed and the host who could be the last seed should not be rewarded for being the last seed. But I digress. And Boy, it doesn't make any sense. Whatever. Huh. Scheduling really is not my forte. This is all this confusing. <laughs> You're more of the writer of it. Yes, yeah, exactly. Right, I need you to tell me the schedule, and then I understand it, and then I'm just I can't question it anymore. <laughs> I'll be there. Perfect. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, you know who doesn't have a man? I'm on fire with this. You know who doesn't have a scheduling problem because they never play at home. Jamie, oh, that's that's right. one, what is the Jackrabbit Invitational? So it was like I think South Dakota State hosted it. Why would you host? What? But it was. But they host like they were the host, but they played it in Las Vegas. Oh. Oh, that's oh, yeah. not it. Okay, wow, very opposite of South Super. Dakota. Yeah, most of these like hosted spring tournaments, it'll be like it's hosted by, you know, Cornell, and then it's in like Tampa, so it it doesn't really make Got a lot of sense. But JMU won by twenty seven strokes, is that, is which is a, it, it's a beat okay. down. It was very impressive. My my golf nerd in me was very excited. <laughs> And um, I think it was Ignacio for blanking on his last name. Uh, Montero? Mon- Montero? Yes. Montero. Yeah. He also won the individual title. He was 13 under. He had 18 birdies. Wow. 
in I think it was a, yeah 54 holes because three rounds so he birdied one out of every three holes basically which is very wow that's even the non-golf nerd in me knows that's good yeah I don't, I don't think the field was the most impressive but it's anytime you can beat an entire field by 27 shots is wild. yeah like I, that that's good yeah so they did they did great so good for jamie men's golf picking up a victory both golf programs seem to be trending in the right direction and then i think what do we have we've got some swimming going on some NCAA stuff. I didn't read up on this. I know Bonnie Zhang. I haven't stayed. Got, yeah. uh, she was, she mm-hmm. qualified for NCAA zones, I think I want to say. <laughs> yeah, she was something like that. And dive. The dive team just went to NCAA zones, maybe. That's what, That's it's, what it's looking like. And so they're, yeah. they're yeah. participating in that. Um, I don't know if we know the results yet. Do we know the results yet? They've got some stuff. I don't know how to uh, interpret it. We'll, we'll learn to <laughs> post it somewhere, maybe talk about it on the next podcast. Yeah. Because all I know is swimming yeah. dive stuff is hard to digest. Yes, especially if you don't know it. I remember I tweeted something, I think, from either my personal account or something. I was like, I don't know how this works. And someone was like, it's simple. And I was like, ah. And they're like, well, I was a swimming dive coach. I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> there you go. Like, <laughs> That's it. Of course it's simple. Yeah. I know. No, but it's. Yeah, yeah, tennis is also doing stuff right now. Um, I yeah. think they played today and won. Well, that's good. I'm checking as we speak because I should have been prepared. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be honest. I did not prepare for the out. The no, sports. I wasn't. I forgot I wasn't about for it. these. Uh, March 9th. Oh, no. They play. I swore they tweeted about playing today. Maybe it's that Twitter algorithm. Firing that back. is the most annoying <laughs> Three thing you may have tweets. missed from four days ago. No, I didn't miss it. I didn't. What? No. Want it. Uh, yeah. I digress. Now we're talking about Twitter logistics rather than scheduling logistics. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, I think. Football uh, spring stuff. We got some. We got quarterback topic back. DNR, Greg Medea was talking about the quarterback battle again. We'll, we'll probably save this for us for like the spring yeah, game we'll, or something. We'll talk, but. We'll, it's back, our folks. Spring game dissection of the team will bring with you yes. our projected. We should do a projected two deep. Oh, let's that'd be do fun. that. Project, we should. I like we'll it. just devote an entire yes, podcast. Projected two deep. We will put. Ooh, good stuff. I miss lacrosse too. Lacrosse is six and one. They've won six in a row. They look uh, very good. What's new? Yeah, they're. We'll just sort of catch up with them again once they get like. And say tournament bound because they look very good. I think they're going to kind of roll their way through the rest of their non-conference and have pretty yeah. solid stuff in conference play. I think Towson's the only real threat to them. Yeah, and I think they. I know at the beginning of the year they sort of slipped down a little bit, so I don't know how much of a threat they they are at this point. But yeah, they're definitely seem like the one team that could kind of push yeah. them a bit. Well. Anything else you got to plug out there? Any other uh, pieces you've read, written? That the people need to check out. I don't, I don't think I have anything too exciting in the works. I know there's a James Ferris piece that was teased on the Bree Sports podcast today that's going out about Darius Banks and sort of his importance. Obviously, the men's basketball season is over, but he's talking about um, his importance moving forward and sort of the statistics behind Darius Banks. So that'll at least be an interesting read for the. Jamie basketball Ooh, that, that, I'm really excited. I'm a statistics and Jamie basketball junkie, and that sounds right up my alley. Yes. Um, so check out this. Today, lots of fun pictures, lots of 
historical takes on why the spiders are called the spiders because of their pitcher pus in 1894 or why Elon's called the Phoenix because their school burnt down in 1923 and like the Phoenix they rose up from the ashes and are back stronger than ever you can check that out at uh, jmusportsnews.com be sure to go over to that website and also look around all the amazing articles and newsletters that Bennett have put up follow us at JMU Sports News Um, lots of interesting stuff also, be sure to check out our awesome baseball content we have yes. coming up. Um, it's been fantastic so far. Great tweets, great posts. I, I love what we have with baseball right now. Exactly. We've got Nick Stevens as our contributor, and he's been fantastic. And we've only had him on for like a week or two, and he's been great. Yeah, blown it out of the water. Amazing stuff. Yeah, so... Have a wonderful rest of your Wednesday. Um, Nothing else to add. So, yeah. See ya. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.